Hello, this is Stefan Chavidjan, the president and co-founder of the National Christian Foundation of South Florida. And it is my pleasure as we host The Generous Life to introduce to you Eddie Copeland. Eddie Copeland is part of our team. He's come to our team about five or six years ago. And you will learn a lot about Eddie, not just his personality and his history and where he was born and all that kind of fun stuff, like we all have our own story, but you're going to learn why he does what he does. Eddie Copeland heads up our Unite initiative. Remember we spoke about Invest, Equip, Unite? Well, somebody's got to do the work, and he works really hard on trying to get the churches and ministries to work together. So welcome, Eddie Copeland, to The Generous Life. I get to have a lot of fun today because I get to interview and talk with and dialogue with and pontificate with a colleague of mine by the name of Eddie Copeland. As I've mentioned, here at NCF South Florida, we have an incredible team, and we all get to work together. We get to work together as we ideate, as we think about opportunities, as we serve the local church, the local community. We all bring something different to the table, different experiences, different personalities, sort of like the body of Christ. We don't always get along, actually, but I know for me, I've always learned a lot from those that I get to work with, and Eddie's one of those. So I think his real name is Edwin. So explain that. Is it Eddie or Edwin? Edwin Patrick Copeland III. Wow, that sounds like you were an only child. I Definitely an only child. It's named after my grandfather and I, apparently a few people after that. Uh, but no, I just go by Eddie. Eddie? Yeah, if I ever got a doctorate, Dr. Edwin Copeland sounds great, or as Tom Hendricks would say, Dr. E.P. Copeland. That actually is my favorite. But wow. we're not, well, we're I'm not going to do that. that. No, 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 I don't see that. you as a doctor. No, heck no. You're about 20 years younger than me, so you're going to be Eddie or, frankly, really anything I want to call you. Yeah, it's fair. So tell us a little bit about you, uh, where you grew up, uh, how you became who you are. Man, uh, how I became who I am, let's let's blame my mom and dad and uh, some bad therapists along the way for that. Uh, no, I was uh, I was born in Athens, Greece, and by no surprise, I know the name Edwin Copeland doesn't scream Greek. Mom's Greek. Dad was uh, in the service over there, but that's for a whole other story. And uh, yeah, I grew up in a, in, a, in a Christian home, loved the church, always saw myself serving the church, going into ministry, but my plan was to make money first and then go into ministry. And God had other plans for that. I uh, fell in love with my high school sweetheart uh, along the way and chased her. She was going to this school I'd never heard of, uh, Moody Bible Institute. And I was like, that sounds great. I'll do that too. And uh, man, the Lord really had some ch- change of hearts along the way and uh, realigned our lives. And uh, now we've been married almost 16 years with five kids. Oh my gosh, like a good Greek. <laughs> yeah, okay, right. so wait, wait, wait. So, so wait, you're living in Greece. Yeah. Your mom and dad are believers. Meaning that they're believers in Jesus. I'm assuming not just believers. They did in not things. grow up Greek Orthodox. Okay, they were evangelicals. No. Okay, and you come to know Christ at what point? Did you just grow up in a Christian home, like like for example, I did? Yeah. Like I can't really. I mean, I have a moment where I remember I invited Jesus in my heart at the age of five. I didn't really know what I was doing, but with you, sort of same thing. Yeah, like. Any good evangelical kid, I, I think I gave my heart to the Lord like twenty five times along the way. Yeah. You know. Um, I do have a moment in time, I think I was five years old, somewhere along that, you know, my parents led me to the Lord in, in my bunk bed before bed, you know, praying the prayers kind of thing. But no, I, yeah. I grew up in a, in, a, in a very Christian home. Church was a big deal, de, you know, devotions, pursuing the Lord. 
So, so early on, you're growing up, you're being taught engagement with the word of God. You're going to church, those kinds of things. And so when you said, I sort of had a feeling I wanted to be involved in ministry, but then I wanted to go make money. And then you end up in a Bible college. Uh, I mean, unpack that for just a minute. How did you go from ministry, money, Bible college in I'm kind of an odd duck. Um, I did I did high school in three years. I did college in three years. So like I've been like super driven my whole life, kind of wired as a odd combination. As my wife coined this phrase, you're an odd combination of uh, dreamer, builder, doer. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, I, I could kind of see that. But um, I, I was working uh, as a network administrator doing IT my senior year of mm. high school. And back then I was making $36,000 a year. Like, and that was big money for high school. So Very. I was putting all that money into my 1978 Datsun 280Z. Uh, I ah, wish it was a cool car. It was a great what color. Car. What it color? was ocean blue Ooh. with carbon fiber hood scoops. Okay. <laughs> uh, I taught my wife Sarah to drive five speed on that car. We got into a lot of fights because she was grinding the gears all the time. So I gave up. Uh, but no, it was just like, so I had this like odd deal and Sarah was a year ahead of me. So I was actually flying up to Chicago every weekend on an airline that doesn't exist anymore, Independence Air, because it was like 59 bucks. And I, I don't know, like I was just like, what? And I had this crisis, like, what am I doing? Mm. Right? Like, I really like this girl. I kind of actually see it going somewhere, even if we were young, dumb and in love kind of mm. thing. But I kind of felt like it was going somewhere. And yet I had this drive to, I want to make money because all my pastor friends were poor mm-hmm. or like didn't enjoy the things that I kind of wanted to enjoy in my life. And really the Lord grabbed my heart and was like, no, I actually won't want you here. And in a really odd turn of events, we could probably do a whole podcast story on that. My pastor at Emmanuel Bible Church in, in, in Springfield, Virginia, became the president of Moody. Mm. And I remember him telling me that going, well, like I, Sarah's there. Like then he's like, you should go to Moody. And he actually got me into Moody. And that was a whole other story. Mm. Like I actually never formally applied, but that's up for, again, a whole mm. other podcast. And yeah, the Lord just really directed my paths and got me into this Bible college and started pursuing that. And before I know it, I was, you know, a youth pastor at a church, then planted a church with a friend in Naperville. And yeah, I don't really know. I look back and go, it's just the Lord. Mm. Like I kind of fell backwards into this and the Lord really interrupted my plans to get rich. Yeah. Um, but it's been a lot of fun. Well, it, it's evident in in my friendship with you and watching you do what God's put you on this planet to do, that his hand is on you. And, and you're also very generous with that. We talk about living the generous life and it's not just money, but we talk about how we use the gifts, the talents, the opportunities, the relationships we have to be generous with other people. And I think you have lived that out, and I think God has honored that in you. Um, You wrote an interesting dissertation um, as you were going through your education. What was that dissertation about, and how has it led you to some degree to what you're doing today? Yeah, that's a great question. Stefan's alluding to the fact that I'm overeducated. Uh, when I, a- after Moody, I ended up going to Trinity Evangelical Divinity School and then ended up transferring down here to Trinity International University to finish my master's degree in counseling. And um, I was super interested in this topic of spiritual abuse and disillusionment in the evangelical church. And that spun out of two things. One, most of my friends that I went to Moody with were increasingly 
not Christians anymore. Mm. They're walking away from the faith. And look, well, that's that's interesting to mm. me. Like you just gave four years of your life to pursue this. And then conversations, even in the graduate school level, like there was a lot of anger. There was a lot mm. of hurt. There was just a word that I kind of coined was there's a lot of disillusioned people mm. that are in ministry. And that was very curious to me. So that was happening on one hand. And then I mentioned I helped plant a church in Naperville. Like the, the guy that I planted a church with came to me one day in the middle of the night this is a good friend. This is a man I knew really mm-hmm. well. And he says, hey, I've been hiding something from you. Mm. My marriage is falling apart. Mm. And there was no infidelity. There's nothing weird. It was just the toll of planting a church. And he'd hit it so well. And he goes, hey, man, uh, it's either my marriage or this church. Mm. So we can either uh, pass this church off to you and you can do this solo or we can close it. Mm. So after some prayer, wow. we ended up closing it. But this man had such character integrity. And and he went to the, the, the kind of governing authorities of our denomination at the time and just spilled his heart. Mm. It was super transparent. I was in the room. I was in the room, very formative. I wasn't, you know, super old at the time. And they crucified him. Mm. Mm. They started just going after him and like, you're disqualified. You shouldn't be doing this. You've been hiding. And I'm like, what? What? I think we've helped create this, mm. right? So you had these friends who were walking away from 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 faith. I had this this personal experience with 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 this kind of father figure in the faith for me. And I started to get really interested in this topic, and we started to do some research, started to really read a lot ar- around this topic, and realized at the time, this was before the rise and fall of Mars Hill and a lot of the moral failings that got super p- popular in the church, and and really realized there's not a whole lot of people talking about this, mm. and yet it's kind of an epidemic. Mm. And so what we found was really interesting is uh, I f- ended up focusing a little bit more on the disillusionment side than the abuse side because that wasn't really a, like a, a popular topic at the mm-hmm. time. And we found that like deconstruction or walking away from the faith kind of always followed a process. It started with this idea of cognitive dissonance, right? Seeing one thing some way and experiencing it another. Then cognitive dissonance gave ways to disillusionment. Like, ah, you know, like, I don't know if I really like that. Like, you know, they say this, they live that. We, we sing this, then we live this. Or, you know, like uh, I think a personal story is like so many of my friends that knows that knew, knew the Bible who grew up in strong Christian homes, like their parents kind of hated their neighbor mm-hmm. or like they weren't generous or like they were always filled with like anger and anxiety. And so they had this dissonance, right? So that gave way to disillusionment. And disillusionment is really the fork in the road. Mm-hmm. It's disillusionment can either lead you to down a path of deconstruction mm-hmm. or it could lead you to deeper discipleship. Mm-hmm. and discovering something that like, oh man, like there's a whole other way to think about this. So uh, I find it so interesting because if you fast forward to what we're dealing with today in the church, and obviously one of your big responsibilities here at NCF South Florida is to work alongside the church and, and lead our Church United initiative. Yeah. And uh, we'll we'll have plenty of opportunities to talk about that in the weeks to come and all the different things we do in Church United. But you know, when you talk about the dissonance and the disillusionment, I mean, is that not in fancy words to just say hypocrisy? In other words, I'm a follower of Christ, uh, and it doesn't just have to be a pastor. It can be a business leader. It can be a soccer mom. It can be a school teacher. It can be anybody, but somebody that's bold enough to say I'm a follower of Christ, but then their actions don't necessarily mirror what it means to be a follower of Christ is because I find it interesting because sometimes that disillusionment comes from within because I've been so disappointed by the people around me or perhaps even Philip Yancey writes a brilliant book called Disappointment of God that sometimes my disappointment leads me to a dissonance or a disillusionment or sometimes I'm just not really discipled very well and I'm I'm giving lip service to my faith but reality is nothing's changed. 
I think that's a great question. Uh, and I'm sitting here processing that. And I think it's a dishonest hypocrisy, right? Okay. It, it's, it's, it's a lot easier for me to process if you come to me or anyone comes to me in my life or we interact with each other and go, you know, like I, I don't really have this figured out. Like, mm-hmm. like I, I do this with my kids all the time. Like dad, dad messes up. Dad makes mistakes. Dad's disappointed. You dad's not going to get this right. It's another thing to to be in an environment where we're always putting on a facade, we're trying harder, we're doing more, we're trying to achieve, and and we're we're giving this persona to the world of not that necessarily that I have it all together, but I have all the right answers. I'm living right life the right way. I'm reading my Bible. I'm tithing. Look at all the things that I'm checking off while our kids or while those under our influence are looking at us. But like, I know you, like Mm -hmm. I, I I know the real you. Mm -hmm. And it's not these big, deep, dark secrets of like, Oh, I know you're cheating on mom or, Mm -hmm. but it's like, I I know that you're, you're oftentimes your, your character in in, in the church United space, we'd say your, your backstage doesn't really match your, your front stage. And, and those, when those two things collide, there is a dissonance. There, there is a hypocrisy, but rather than entering into that, we, we tend to just bulk up and go, no, it's not like that. I do this. You you don't really know me, you know? And it's like, "Ah, guys, like, yeah, so it is hypocrisy, but it's the way that we've gone about talking about it. Okay. We can do a whole other episode on that. Yeah, and I, I think we will. And and part of our episode today is just to introduce everybody to you and and initially a little bit our Church United effort because people hear a lot about Church United. They don't necessarily realize it's part of the NCF South Florida ecosystem, and there's a reason for that, which we can get into. But maybe let's pivot just briefly in, in the time we have left and share a little bit about Church United. What is Church United? Yeah, that's a great question because depending on who you ask, you'll get 15 different answers. And I love telling this to people. I, I, I get this question of how did Church United start? And I say, you're going to hear seven versions of how Church United started, and they're all true. Mm-hmm. Really, it's the story of 20, 30 years of men and women in this community praying for revival, praying for the church, seeking to seek the peace and prosperity of God's people and this church, kind of all colliding together. Mm. So no one started Church United. In so many ways, Church United stands on the shoulders of so many others. Mm. But at at, at its core, in the most simplistic way, Church United is a movement of local churches. It's a unity movement of churches asking the question, what could we do together that we cannot accomplish on our own? Mm. Church United is a story that's beyond any one church, key leader or organization that's really focused around evangelistic mission. And mm. I can get into that in later episodes, but it doesn't look at our at our community and go, what cause could we go mm-hmm. change, right? Or like, let's go attack homelessness or foster care or elder care. And those things come. But if you look at the spiritual state of South Florida, you quickly realize, oh man, it's mm. going to take a movement of churches mm. that really focus on awakening the people in our pews mm. to understand who they are, who they belong to, and get deployed out on mission to see their lost friends, neighbors, and mm. coworkers come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. So I would actually say that evangelism has been the the glue. That's mm. what's kept the Baptists and the, and, and the Pentecostals and the non-denominational guys all at the table together, realizing that, man, South Florida is only 3%. Evangelical Christian, mm-hmm. or if you want to be in the margin of error, four mm-hmm. percent evangelical Christian, and not one church is going to change that. 
we're yeah. going to have to see a unity of the church come together. And as we come together and as more people are awakened to faith in Jesus, that has cascading effects on all different kinds of causes. Right. So now when you come to faith, it's, man, like, I think I'm wired to go after foster care or to go after homelessness or or to open up this new business or this nonprofit. But like our concern is caring for the health and wholeness of pastors, mm-hmm. creating a safe third space for them to relate and connect with one another, and then sprinkling in what does mission to together mm. look like. I've heard you say that some of the feedback we get from Church United from time to time is that pastors will say, this helps remind me why I became a pastor in the first place. Yeah, I think it's the most honoring piece of feedback mm. that has surprised us. The mm. two things that we hear all the time is, man, Church United has really helped me come back to my calling, like why mm. I got into ministry in the first place. You know, if I'm honest, Eddie, like I didn't get into ministry to run fundraising committees or to run elder meetings or to do this or that. I got into this to see lost people find Jesus. Mm. And when you get into a room where we're talking about that together and we're sprinkling that into these conversations, guys are coming alive. So Mm. we get that. And then the second thing that we hear over and over again, and again, Church United is not a denomination. It's not even really a network. If anything, it's a network of networks. Mm. But like I get more care, resourcing, and kind of best-in-class offerings of like to make me a better pastor, to make my church stronger and more effective. I get those things more from Church United than I've gotten from my network or from Mm. my denomination. And what's cool is as we're getting older and older, denominations and networks are not coming to us going, how can we work together? Mm. Because we are not in competition. We're not trying to start another Acts 29 or SBC or anything like that. We're a hyper-localized group of pastors that are looking at their region through the lens of how can we own the lostness together and awaken the sleeping giant that Mm. is the local church. One of the reasons why we found ourselves as NCF South Florida being involved in in things like the launch of Church United and and another organization we partner with, Mission Increase, all things you're going to hear about in the weeks and months to come, is number one, NCF South Florida, we have always been a lover of the local church. Yeah, that's so true. It is a core to who we are. We will be bold. Our board says the same thing. We serve the local church. Our staff says the same thing. We have four or five ordained pastors on our staff. So we are a lover of the local church. At the same time, we will get feedback from some of the clients we serve that says, hey, help me understand something. Why don't the churches work together? Or I see all these ministries and charities out there, and I don't understand why they don't collaborate a little bit more. And uh, if you could help bring some collaboration or create some space where there's at least an opportunity to collaborate, that would be a really good value add. And so we've been trying that. We will continue to try that. Collaboration isn't easy. Um, because there's a lot of variables that affect collaboration. But um, last thing I would want to say is when we talk about Church United, and you can throw in mission increase, I mean, we will talk about these three C-letter words. We'll talk about we connect, we uh, then collaborate, and then we celebrate. And uh, we have spent a lot of effort just creating connections, and We're that playing is playing the long game. Yeah, I mean that's. In other words, we've we found ourselves on. We get a lot of feedback sometimes saying, "Hey, why can't we get all the churches together and jump on this new initiative or this new idea or this big event coming in town?" Which are usually all really good, but the reality is, we have found that until we build trusted relationships and connect where we are truly friends with one another, then we can collaborate and then we can celebrate. But so often there's a lot of collaboration 
with no connection. And therefore, yeah, it's a great event or it's a great moment, but it sort of fizzles and it doesn't go anywhere. I think that some of the genius of what we're trying to do here, or I think what the Lord has really birthed here is one, we've said from day one, are we in this for three years or 30 years? And if we landed on 30 years, obviously, because it gave, it takes the pressure off and it also allows us the freedom to create the space for trust to be built, for relationships to be formed. And I think where a lot of these kinds of conversations around collaboration, getting churches together, where a lot of them fall down is they cast big vision, they get churches together, they create a lot of excitement. But like deep down, these guys are redlining. Their, mm-hmm. their, their marriages are falling apart. Their kids aren't going to church. They're fighting with their elder board or their board of directors. There's some kind of internal conflict, but they don't want to be the one guy around the table that's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm not in. Of course, I want to change the world for Jesus kind of thing. So when we took a long view and said, what if we could create that safe third space for them to actually create room to become friends, to find health and wholeness, then we can begin to collaborate Mm -hmm. together and find true collaboration. And what I love is our theory of change or our grand hypothesis, if you will, in the church united space has been healthy leaders healthy churches, Mm -hmm. flourishing cities. Mm -hmm. But we have to start with the health and wholeness of leaders. And I think that that's something that's going to take a move of marketplace leaders, generous donors, and churches coming together. And that's what I love about what we're busy chasing after in the Church United space with these three, uh, I'm sorry, in 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 the National Christian Foundation space, with these three pillars of invest, equip, and unite. Because I've had the privilege to travel and look at other cities and and, and what they're busy doing. And a lot of the times you'll have generous Christians, you'll have marketplace people, people that are trying to connect Sunday to Monday and do faith and work engagement. And then there's some semblance of a church united or an eddy trying to bring churches together, but none of them talk and they all kind of quietly feel like they're Mm -hmm. in competition with each other. So we said, what would it look like to bring those three things together under one roof? And and yeah, that's messy. Yeah, that's hard at times. But I think God is really showing up and bringing some some not just great minds to the table, but really getting traction around those three things. Well, I'm really looking forward to, again, the weeks and months to come as we unveil and reveal and distribute this podcast because I think there's so many interesting conversations that are going to occur around this space of Unite. Absolutely. Because again, we all give lip service to it, but when it, we're all impacted by it. You know, my wife and I, our marriage and our family is an expression of Unite. My relationship with God is an expression of Unite. The way I collaborate with the people in my work in my neighborhood, at my church, at my charity, is an expression of Unite, which we've always said internally is an expression of generosity. In order to be generous, um, I must unite. That means I've got to give up a little bit, and I can't just stand, you know, I can't just dig in and say, I'm going to do life in my own silo, which is so often what we do in the Christian community, and and it's not easy. Um, if, If I'm a listener to this this discussion, and I'm saying, you know, you've triggered something in my mind. You've created some curiosity. You know, what can I do? How, how do I get involved in Church United, um, regardless of who I am? You know, I mean, obviously, there's information on our website, those kind of things. But what would be some practical things that you might say? Hey, here's what here's what we want from our audience. I think two things jump to mind, and one. I- I think if you're listening to this podcast, I'm going to go on a limb and say you probably love the church to some degree. You're Mm -hmm. a lover of the local church. So one, pray for your church. 
pray for your pastor. And I know that sounds like a throwaway phrase, but like we mm. need the local church more than ever. And your pastor's job has never been harder. Mm-hmm. So one, pray. Pray for the unity of the church here in South Florida. And then two, get your pastor involved. Like mm. shoot him a text, send an email, connect us together, not just with me, but with our team so that we can get them connected with local pastors and other and bring them out of isolation mm. and into this space of collaboration. And oftentimes all that pastor needs is an advocate, a nudge of, hey, I think we should really be involved mm. with this, or I mm. think we should really learn more about that. So those are the two things that jump to mind. Is Does Church United have like a website or something if someone wants to go to and learn a little bit? Yeah, churchunitedfl.com. Okay, so churchunitedf, as in Frank, L as in Larry, dot com. That's our website. They can get more information on that. So, well, thank you, Eddie. Look forward to uh, the the weeks and months ahead. As I said, there will be opportunities where Eddie's going to be hosting, where we'll have discussions with pastors, ministry leaders, other people doing collaboration in other cities. Um, We're always um, on the lookout of fascinating people doing fascinating things all over the world, and uh, we are excited to be able to present that to you, the listener. Um, I concur with what Eddie says. Please be praying. The power of prayer is something that we often overlook, but the fact that we have access to the throne room of God and anything to do with unity and the church will always uh, be dealt with tremendous headwinds because the last thing um, Satan wants is a unified church. And so uh, we are super committed. I know you are too, so we appreciate it. But thanks, Edwin. Hey, it's been fun. I'm in it for the long haul here in South Florida, and I look forward to introducing our listeners to a lot of great things that are happening in South Florida. Be encouraged. God is on the move here. He is. We are very encouraged. God bless. Thanks, Eddie, for joining us today in the National Christian Foundation's podcast called The Generous Life. If you'd like to know a little bit more about Church United, go to our website, churchunitedfl.com. At the same time, if you'd like to know a little bit more about NCF South Florida, go to ncfgiving.com forward slash South Florida. We are so excited that you've joined us as we continue to journey together in the generous life.